millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to this week's Failed Crickets Podcast. I'm Steve Lord. I'm joined by Owen Hughes. Hello. And Carol Petz. Hello. As we talk you through some films that we have seen and bring back Triple Bill, which, because I went to a wedding and we didn't have many ideas, it's our favourite movie, Weddings. <laughs> yeah, that's how we roll. Yeah. Just whatever's happened to us in this past week, that's going to make yeah. Triple Bill. The next triple bill, because I'm going on holiday, will be probably the best movie holidays. It's nice for you. Yeah. <laughs> <Yep>. Humble brag, <laughs> I think. Yeah. Um, so I don't think there's going to be a podcast next week, is there, in my absence? Or are you doing one without me and just haven't told me? Who knows? We haven't really thought that far. <laughs> yeah, yeah we just did day by day, Steve. You, haven't, you yeah. haven't thought seven days in advance? No. no. Mm. Do you? Yes. Well, yeah, he's going on holiday. Unless he's just going to well, book yeah. it on the day. Turn yeah, up it... in the travel agents and all. Just, on a holiday just turn up. Day. Just going to turn up at the airport <laughs> and wait for some no-shows and take their place. <laughs> I bet there's people who actually do that, you know. There absolutely are. It can be really, really cheap. I, I know someone who uh, didn't didn't go like and take people's place, but definitely used to just turn up at Heathrow and basically get on the, the first plane that had spare seats because they were going really, really cheaply. And just kind of go wherever it, wherever the the mood took her, or the the free seat. How do you pack for that? Where could you? I mean, like, like a general purpose thing. Okay. <laughs> just end up in <laughs> Brazil, or you could end up in Norway. Yeah, but you should always take a packer mat because that was her golden okay. rule. <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, on to the quiz then, and uh, Carol, I believe, is winning the quiz after last week. Yes, I am. Yes. yes. Yeah. Uh, I didn't to, get uh, my bonus point uh, for my Morgan Freeman impression. That never happened. Well, there you go. <laughs> the non-existent yeah. Morgan Freeman impression. Uh, so, yes. Uh, on to the quiz for this week where Carol could take a 2-0 lead uh, putting Owen's chances of seeing Run For Your Wife just that little bit closer. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I'd only have to watch half of it. No, no, you'd have to watch it from the start. That's how these things that's work. The, that's the rules. That, you can't, you can't tell up. me about rules, Steve. You just frequently <laughs> don't bother. I'm a maverick who doesn't play <laughs> by the rules. Who says I'm even going to choose one for your wife? I might choose something else. I might choose something that I think is amazing. Like knowing. Like knowing. <laughs> like knowing. <laughs> or the Wicker Man. Which Wicker Man? The remake, obviously. Oh. Not the original, <laughs> God. Uh, so, anyway, on to this week's quiz. I'm going to start in any, 2008. Any with a film called The Poker House. <laughs> nope. Nope. We're going to go to 2010 with Winter's Bone. 
Owen. Yes, Owen. Jennifer Lawrence. Can you let me do the next film first? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, right. carry on. Well, uh, okay. no, perhaps I, I forgot. I forgot what I've said already. So carry on. Steve. Okay. Okay. Two thousand. Owen. Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> Can you let me do the next film, please? <laughs> okay. It's very important that I read out the next film in this list. Okay. 2011, The Beaver. (laughs) (laughs) Owen? Jennifer Lawrence. Uh, Yes, it is Jennifer Lawrence. That's one all. I've no idea why she's being mentioned this week and why we find the name The Beaver so funny in relation to her name. Moving on to the news as swiftly as we can. (laughs) Owen, haven't we got some stuff about Fright Fest on the website? Uh, yes, Fright Fest is still continuing. <laughs> yeah, we, well, f- the, f- the festival's over, but we've got loads of stuff going up on the website still. Still got some reviews to go up. Um, Shorky's interview, Mike Shorky, uh, or Mike Shawcross is Shorky1969 on Twitter. Um, had an interview with uh, Jessica Cameron from Truth or Dare, which has gone live on the website this week and is uh, not sort of it's, it is a little bit of a humble brag, I guess, but it's m- m- one of my favourite things that I've published on the site because I think she's um, she comes across really interesting in in the uh, in the interview. It's very entertaining, and Ryan Kaiser as well seems like a really funny guy who's the lead actor in Jessica's film Truth or Dare. So it's well worth a read. I'm I'm very pleased to 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 publish that on the site, and um, we've also got a review of Truth or Dare that's gone up as well. And like I say, we'll have a lot more. Um, reviews of things coming out uh, soon. And you've also got a, an interview for us as well, haven't you, Steve? Yes, on the site, by the time this podcast comes out with any luck, will be a interview with uh, a genuine international footballer, which which is something that we don't say that often because we're a film site. Um, it, it's not Wayne Rooney. He, he was ineligible to talk to. Yes. Yeah, it just reviews. Uh, no. Um, but no, uh, in conjunction with Born Offside, we secured an interview, uh, with the American Samoa national team goalkeeper and one of the stars of the documentary Next Goal Wins. Um, yes. Which, if, which, if you had, uh, been looking at our website and Born Offside's website, you would have seen a competition to win a copy of it on DVD. If you didn't enter it, you can't win it. It's your own fault. So, yeah, and previously we had an interview with director Steve Jameson of Next Goal Wins, which you can still find on the website, as long as my written review and podcast review. Uh, and thanks to everyone involved in Next Goal Wins for being so helpful to us on Born Offside um, as, as we've been reviewing and promoting the film. Uh, that's the end of part one, really, with a lack of any real kind of news uh unfortunately a lack of deaths this week and we'll be back after the break with what we've been watching okay time for what we've been watching now where we take a look at the films we've seen in the last week or so which aren't necessarily new releases uh owen why don't you kick us off with what you've seen uh yeah okay i watched a film that um, came out last year, um, which I really wanted to see when it was out, um, but annoyingly it wasn't shown at my uh, my local cinema. It is Homefront, um, starring Jason Statham, and I am a fan of Jason Statham's, and I'm not ashamed to admit it. Yeah, obviously everyone should be. 
Um, I also quite like Sylvester Stallone's work as a writer, and he's he wrote this film as well. I don't think he directed it actually. I think it was directed by a guy called uh, Gary Fleder, I think his name is. Um, but he also stars James Franco, uh, Winona Ryder's in it as well. Um, Clancy Brown shows up, so there's a you know there's a few biggish names um, in there. But it is essentially another action film. Uh, it's about a former DEA agent who uh, moves with his daughter to a quiet town um, after his wife and, and his, obviously his, his kid's mom died quite recently, um, where he kind of gets mixed up in a feud with a family after her, his daughter gets in a fight with their son at school. And it turns out that this guy is a local meth drug lord, wouldn't you know it? So obviously lots of... Um, Action occurs, things kick off. Um, it's all right, really. Uh, I was a bit, like I say, a bit disappointed it wasn't shown at my cinema last year. Uh, but I didn't really go out of my way to see this. It's just that I happened to see that it was on uh, US Netflix. And so I gave it a watch, and it was quite good. Um, the plot's a little bit, uh, a little bit Winter's Bone, since we've mentioned it already. It's The direction's a bit like um, Faster or Snitch, or one of those kind of films that The Rock's been in quite recently. And the quality's a little bit... Um, well, I mean, it's just a state, Jason Statham film, isn't it? I mean, if you've seen Parker, if you've seen Safe, if you've seen The Mechanic, or any of those kind of films, it's a, a lot like those. Um, you know, there's blood feuds, you've got biker gangs, you've got undercover cops, people getting in over their head, and, you know, just like... Actually, one of my favourite things about it is, um, like in Hummingbird, or, or Redemption, as I think it's known in the US, um, Statham, again, has got a long-haired wig for a bit. And it's very strange seeing Jason Statham with long hair, but it's also a little bonus for the film. And, yeah, very strange, yes, but it's it's, it's a bit weird when you see it, because it doesn't look right at all, because he's just used to being this big, bald, hard-looking cockney fella. But anyway, yeah, so, I mean, if there's one criticism that I've got to level at it, uh, unfortunately, it's the fact that it's a bit ordinary. Um... You know, the action scenes aren't particularly memorable. The acting's a little bit below what I expected it to be. And what I mean by that is I wasn't expecting a star performance from Jason Statham as this Oscar-winning, Oscar-nominated character. It's just that, it, you know, like James Franco is in it and he plays the meth drug lord and he is a bit um, unhinged. So I kind of expected him to be a bit more batshit mental as this crazy drug lord. And he was a little bit, but it was also below what I thought he, he was capable of. Like, if you've seen, um, oh God, what was that film that he was in? Spring Break, or Spring Breakers. That film is just crazy, and he is really just completely off the wall. And that. It's it's a lot more understated in this, but still kind of, kind of crazy. So it was all right, but it, I, I expected him to be a bit better. And the story is just really generic as well. Um... You know, considering the fact um, that it just, all it aims to be, really, is a decent sort of 90 minutes of a daughter-father relationship story set against this drug war, you know, rather than this huge crime epic. It just, it's pretty much hits the beats that it intends to uh, in all the right places. So it's kind of worth a watch if you like Jason Statham film. It's not going to change anyone's opinion on Jason Statham. Um, it's not going to suddenly turn around his career and he will become this Oscar-nominated actor. I don't think so. He's got a very um, particular market and it's another film that fits into that demographic and it does it quite ably, you know? I, I, yeah, it's quite good.
Okay, uh, <coughs> Carol, what have you seen? Um, well, first film I saw this weekend was actually one that Owen reviewed last week, which was Sin City 2, A Dame to Kill For. But I thought that, you know, now I've seen it, I'm going to give, in, in glorious 2D, I'm going to give <laughs> my uh, my two cents. Did you see it in 3D, Owen? You must have done. I did, yeah. It yeah. Really, I, I imagine it probably wasn't worth it. I think you said that last week, actually, didn't you? Did nothing, really. Did nothing. Oh, it's already a very stylish film, and the 3D just, it was pointless. Yeah, I couldn't really, I, I think there were a couple of bits where, you know, you know you've know, got those obligatory made-for-3D like efforts, <laughs> yeah. a couple of money shots that you're like, oh yes, in 3D that would be coming right at me, but you know, in 2D it does nothing. Um, but you know, apart from that, yeah, I didn't really see that it was going to add add a lot, so I decided to wait until the 2D, and also I'm a cheapskate, so I decided to wait until the <laughs> 2D release came out. Um, so yeah, I saw this, and to be honest, I saw it, it. It's I saw it three days ago, and I'm really struggling to remember anything that happened in it. It's just really forgettable. I mean, I like the first one. Don't don't get me wrong. I'm not I'm not anti these sorts of films. So I do. I do really like the first Sin City, but there's nothing. I, own, I haven't yeah. seen that film for a while. I meant to watch it before I went to see Sin City too, but I didn't get <laughs> around to last it. Words. But I can still remember really clearly um, elements of that film. Even though I haven't seen it for well over two years now, I can still remember certain sections of that film very, very clearly. I haven't seen... I've seen this film two days ago, three days ago, and I can't remember bits of it. I can't remember large chunks of it. I can remember one bit. And I don't really want to really want to give it away, but that that's about it. And that kind of summed up the film for me, really. I was also just really appalled at the fact it was only... I think it's only just about an hour and a half long. It feels so much longer than that. I have no idea how it managed to stretch itself out. Um, but yeah, overall, I just wasn't, it, it, it just wasn't, it, it was kind of more of the same, but less of the same, if that makes any sense. It, it wasn't really, wasn't really as kind of hard hitting as the first one. We, we've kind of passed, passed that by, I think, a little bit. Uh, as we were talking about last week, it's, it's main, the, the first Sin City, it's main, um, uh, angle was really, really looking like the book, and you know we, we've had plenty of those now, so it needs to rely on something else. Um, I don't know what the actual stories are like. That this is based on, I think it's based on three stories, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what the actual stories are like, but I, I won't be rushing to to read them anytime soon. Based on this, having said that, though, um, I thought the performances were really good. I thought uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt was really, really good in his in his section, even though he's not really in it enough for my for my liking. I like Joseph Gordon-Levitt, um, and I thought Josh Brolin was really good, and Eva Green was quite good despite her appalling American accent. <laughs> she really can't do an accent to save her life. But um, yeah, so you know, there were a lot of good performances. I thought even Jessica Rowe was quite good in her in her section, but it just didn't. It just underwhelmed me massively, I think, unfortunately. I'm disappointed because, as I said, I do I do enjoy the first one as well. And I've been looking forward to this for a while. But, um, yeah, it was just very meh, unfortunately. Um, there was a point you made there about it feeling just like um, that it's not anything extraordinary and it's just more like the same but less of the same. I think that's a really good, <laughs> poignant phrase for it because it... <laughs> It, it, you're just revisiting the place, and the people aren't as exciting as they were in the first film. Things aren't as um, controversial, I guess, as as the first film either, uh, unless you count excessive nudity as controversial. I don't really. Go down that subject. Today. But the 
But the um the, the <laughs> but the film itself I kind of liked it. And I did like going back to this this base in city. I, I liked it there. And I wanted more of that and I felt oppositely in the sense that it felt really short to me. And I wanted to spend more time with these characters and I thought if we had more um, perhaps even just one more story going on through these sequences, it probably would have made it a bit more engaging. But at the same time, it isn't as good as the first film. You know, the stories aren't as good. So yeah, I understand um, and can appreciate why you you sort of had that opinion to it. And it, it seems to be quite a popular opinion as well. Lots of people have come out saying similar sorts of things. So I I've read a lot of different opinions on it. Actually, I, I've read. Uh, reviews from some people who really loved it. I didn't read anything before I before I went in, um, but I've read some people that really liked it, and some people just really really hated it. But I get the feeling the people who hated it wouldn't have liked the first one either. This isn't going to change their minds. Um, mm. I just felt like well, the, the re- reception from Fright Fest, the screening was people were a bit well, why is it showing at Fright Fest anyway? Yeah, and then afterwards they were like, well, that wasn't particularly a great film either. So you know. <laughs> Yeah, perhaps I don't really know how to approach it because I think people like you were just saying. I think people who like the first one will probably like it a bit, and people who didn't like the first one, it's just not really going to be for them either. So yeah, I, don't know. I, I know I know what you mean about the whole kind of like the whole uh, location and you know being back there and stuff, and that and that's all really good, and they evoke the feeling of Sin City really really well, and you know you're you're left in no doubt that this is a bad place. Uh, but, you know, yeah, we've, we've seen it all before. Old Town, you know, that was quite kind of shocking in the first one. We've seen it all before now. We know that the prostitutes all run it. But, you know, that's, you know, nothing else is revealed, really. And I think, actually, what it didn't benefit from, I think in this one it could have benefited from um, a bit more uh, connection between the between the stories. I think they were all kind of so distant from each other. Um, and they're all kind of um, chopped up. And I just, I just felt like it was very disjointed in that way. I know, I know the first one didn't have a lot of connectivity either, but I felt like it flowed better. Um, mm-hmm. And I didn't feel this one did so much. Okay, uh, a film I have seen is a film called Goodbye World. Uh, after watching a few Fright Fest films on American Netflix, which we spoke about American Netflix and why we don't have a problem with talking about using it despite being in the UK. Um, but anyway, it's been recommended to me a lot of horror films and a lot of kind of uh, films of that kind of uh, mm-hmm. subject. And this one is, or was meant to be, described as a post-apocalyptic film. I like post-apocalyptic films, partly because I think I'd thrive if the world ended. <laughs> like I think, a cockroach. I think I think it'd be I think it'd be a great leveler, kind of like in the same way you know when when people in football talk about uh, rain, bad weather being a great leveler, I'd kind of think the end of the world would be like that for me as the rest of civilization. Would you put have to put in then an early reducer on uh, on whoever you met just to lay <laughs> down the lay down the law? Yeah, whatever whatever kind of uh, township. Or whatever I walked into, I would kill the leader straight away to kind of, you know, basically go, that's what I'm about. I'm in charge now. You're basically the governor from The Walking Dead in waiting. Yeah, but I'm not going to have like people's heads in a fish tank. 
stuff like that. So you're so you're like I'm Carver not, from the game then, who's like the governor light. I'm not I'm not proper mental. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, this is quite a depressing yeah. topic of conversation. <laughs> but anyway, the 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 post the, the post for the film is quite encouraging. There's like some guy like stood on top of a hill looking over a big fire in a big city, and you're kind of thinking, yeah, that looks like kind of a, a, a film that I'd enjoy. It's, it's rubbish. It's <laughs> it starts it stars Adrian uh, Grenier, I believe it's pronounced, who you probably better know as. Vincent Chase from Entourage, uh, and also um, can't remember the actress's name, but she's in. She's one of the hostages in uh, Argo, and she's one of the um, the kind of central characters in the last series of Scrubs. Um, I can't remember her name for the life of me. Not the one who was in Carnivale and. Uh, um, no, I don't know. What was no? Okay, but anyway, <laughs> anyway, anyway, um, it's not really post-apocalyptic film. It deals with kind of um, a breakdown of society, kind of the initial stages of it. Uh, America is is under a cyber attack, which kind of shuts everything down. Um, but it, you know, it's the initial stages of that. But you, it's never really kind of a post-apocalyptic feel to it. I mean, there's all these friends. Uh, at one of their houses, kind of out in the stick somewhere, um, who've managed to get, who's managed to store a load of food and medicine and supplies. At one point, the army comes and tries to take it, and they do take it. It's kind of allowed to, um, and that's about it. It's, you know, nothing really happens in this film. It's more a film about the relationships between the people who are stuck in this house, um, who seem to be shagging around a bit, cheating on each other rather than the actual end of the world that's going on around them. Um, but it's just really boring. I don't really care for any of the characters. I'm not sure if the acting's good or not, because if they're meant to be playing absolute dickheads, even <laughs> even down to the child in it, then yes, um, you know, they are they are excellent actors all round. <laughs> if if they're not meant to be dickheads, then they're terrible actors because that's how they're coming across. This is like um, monsters. This is how I had the reaction to monsters. And I know, are you really like monsters? Don't, don't you? No, I hate it. I like. Oh, you hate yeah. it? Yeah. Oh, right. Someone. I, okay. I like monsters, like and I think James liked it as well. But I like monsters. No, yeah. I really don't but like those it. Those characters are utter. Dickens. Yeah. Puts me off the whole. I just want them to die all the way through. Just die, yeah. please. If you're gonna if you're gonna make a monster film, put some monsters in it. Or if you're going to make a character film, put some characters in it that I'm actually going to empathise with and want to survive. That's my that's my two cents. Exactly. Yeah, I agree with that. So it sounds like that um, this program, this film's had the same sort of problem, really. Yeah, but it it, it gives a false impression. Even the description on Netflix gave gave me a false impression of what the film was actually about. Um, and yeah, look, there's a child character. One of the one of the couples have got a child, and she's just like a brat. And she doesn't get like punished for it or shouted at or told off or anything. It's just like just allowed to be a, an annoying little shit. <laughs> to be fair, if like an apocalypse had come over and you were, you know, just playing on your PlayStation or playing with your Barbie dolls or whatever, you, whatever the kids do these days, and the apocalypse comes along and you know you have to suddenly be on the run and you're like, but, she's, you know, but they're not on the run. They're just in this house and the army turns up once and like gives you stuff or we shoot you and they no no one gets shot by the army. They're do they like, take her Barbies? 
Nothing. No. Oh, the, well, the kids that, she's got no kids, excuse. The kids probably probably in the house, uh, not even seeing what's going on because she wasn't in that scene, so she doesn't really know anything about it. And she's just a little obnoxious. But even before like the society breaks down, they're all just up there with their mates at this house. She's a brat then. I take it back. So, <laughs> and and you know, if she if she's meant to be a brat, she's got a great future in acting ahead of her. If she's not, uh, then she's got no hope. I hate <laughs> to put down somebody who's probably less than seven years old, but that's that's how I feel about this film. <laughs> um, oh well. Yeah. Can't accuse you of being ageist. No. Uh, and yeah, it's just I wouldn't recommend watching it for its kind of anyone. I didn't enjoy it at all. Um, Do you think you might have enjoyed it a bit more though if the description had been more accurate of what it? Was? I probably wouldn't have watched. Or would you have just not watched it? <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't have watched it if they had sort of said if it had been like um, some some friends go to a house and the society kind of falls down, but you don't see much of it. Then I wouldn't have watched it when it was kind of with the poster. And a description making out it's an end of the world film, um, or kind of you know, post-apocalyptic or whatever. It kind of the description kind of made out it was set like down the line more in you know, yeah. It wasn't good at all. Char- no, no characters that were likable. Um, a plot that was boring, and uh, acting that was. Irritating. Annoying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was that, more or less. This is the problem with it, with apocalyptic stuff, isn't it? You've got to keep, you've got to keep like, at least one character in there that's likable, otherwise everyone ends up like, uh, Andrew from The Walking Dead, where you're just waiting for her to get bitten and just going, for God's sake, get on with it, seriously. Yeah. I mean, and everyone rejoices. Well, you have it, the, the op- I think the opposite way of doing it is with Cormac McCarthy's, um, The Road, where you've just got two people, but you've got no choice but to follow them, because that's, they're just two people, and it's what they do. And there's no way that he's trying to make them likable. There's no way he's trying to make them... In fact, he goes out of his way at points, I think, to make them unlikable. Yeah, but the kid's never, um, like, moaning about not being able to play with his Legos. Well, he keeps saying... He keeps going, Papa, all the time. That was irritating. Yeah, I think I didn't get that, because it was, it was fairly obviously set in America. They don't say Papa in America like that. But yeah, if these people were in my township where I just killed the leader, I wouldn't kill them, but I'd definitely exile them. <laughs> I'd definitely put them outside the gates with a day's worth of food and water and say, right, get away. Just go away <laughs> and don't darken my door again. Uh, there, well, there you go. There's, there's part two finished. And up next we have got Triple Bill. Well, on to Triple Bill then, um, where we are looking at our favourite or the best movie weddings, um, or possibly films centred around a wedding. Um, due to the fact that, as we mentioned earlier, I went to a wedding at the weekend and we planned this thing terribly. <laughs> um, was it a good wedding though, Steve? It was very good. One of my friends passed out uh, at about eight o'clock and had to get uh, picked up by his wife who's about to give birth in a month so that was exciting always a sign thing. of a good i was gonna say it wasn't the groom was it? <laughs> no no was he um, wearing a tie around it was he wearing his tie around his head because that's always no, a sign he, of a good way he, he found the football and was kicking it kicking it at strangers and then got on a bouncy castle that was there and fell over and got bullied by children before being <laughs> before before being sick and passing out and 
getting taken home. Was it a free bar? No. Because that's got to be expected. No. It wasn't even a free bar. No. And he, had, he hadn't <laughs> even drunk any more than the rest of us, so I don't really know what happened. But There you go. So is it in your top three films? <laughs> so t- top three weddings, rather, um, you've been to? Yeah, I haven't been to many, though, to be fair, but it was a good wedding. Yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah. I went to one uh, about a month ago where they signed the register to... Um, there's two songs they signed the register to with a Legend of Zelda theme tune and the Game of Thrones theme tune. That was that was amazing. Wow, <laughs> it was, and all the uh, and all the tables were named after the families in Game of Thrones. I, I didn't really understand it at the time, but I've now started watching Game of Thrones, so I now understand it. And I think we were put on the ones that have all the incest, so I'm not happy with that. <laughs> to be fair, there's not many families tables that you could yeah, put on exactly. that we didn't any better. So. <laughs> um. So anyway, yes. Um, uh, Carol, why don't you start us off with the three films that you're selecting? Um, all right. Well, I'm not a massive fan of films with weddings in, to be perfectly honest. So you'll you'll find no romantic comedy nonsense or any Matthew McConaughey nonsense on on this list. Uh, so I did have to I did have to scrabble around a little bit. So my first um, pick is uh, Corpse Bride, which is well, you know, it's it's quite good. It's a Tim Burton film. I'm a big fan of Tim Burton. Um and it does obviously feature a wedding in it by by dint of the uh of the title. Um and it's just basically about a guy who accidentally marries a dead girl. And uh, you know, it's it's quite sweet, I quite like it. It's no We've all been in. there. We've all yeah, we've all done it. <laughs> you know, three o'clock in the morning. Um Wed- wedding at Bernie's Wedding <laughs> 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 That probably would have been better than Bride, there is no wedding at Burning, <laughs> is there? There might be, and I just don't know about it. That's um, that, that's my next idea for Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> I used to love that film when I was a kid. Anyway, um, yeah, and it's it's very it's very sweet. It's not, it's nowhere near as good as Nightmare Before Christmas, which I know Tim Burton didn't direct, but he did produce. Um, but you know, I think it's quite good. I like I quite like the um, the songs in it and I quite like the voice acting quite like Helen Bonham Carter as the as the corpse bride and it's just sort of like ghoulish ghoulish humour really which I quite like go on Owen I know you want to <laughs> oh, no I hated it you hate how can you the first hate first time it? I saw it I, re- I didn't really like it but I didn't really care that much and then I, when I bought my new TV I got two Blu-rays to test it out on my new HD TV I got Batman Begins which is great and I got Corpse Bride which was not very good <laughs> And actually, I had a thing on um, Twitter with a guy called Paul uh, at Pasta, who we sent each other our three worst DVDs. And one of my DVDs I sent him um, was Corpse Bride. Oh, come on. I really did like it. It really just irritated me. And the, the fucking Peter Law-esque worm thing that just keep ah. <laughs> You know, but you you know what I'm yes. like though with musicals. Yes, I do. As soon as they start singing, I just groan and I roll my eyes and I just wish it would end. And that was how I felt about the whole of Corpse Bride. <sighs> Everything I just groaned at. This is this is terrible news. I I am I for <laughs> one am shocked shocked that you have this I attitude. Bet. But seriously, it being one of the, the three, well, I suppose like if if it's ones that you actually own and you got given that one, then I can then I can sort of see if one. No, I bought it. You bought it. Bought it. And then I gave it away for free because I hated it. <laughs> oh dear! Well, yeah. that was that was what part one of my triple bill. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I think we can safely assume it's not on Owen's list. Um, yeah, no, 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 no
my second one actually is um, something completely different, which is uh, Brokeback Mountain. So there's there's two weddings in the, in Brokeback Mountain. Actually, I think I haven't seen it for a while, but um, it's just it's quite poignant, I think, because obviously they're they're both kind of in love with each other, but they're also having to get married to these to these two girls, and uh, it's just really sad. I found it found it really kind of tragic because obviously they're all delighted and really happy as as women are meant to be about weddings, and uh, not all of them though, and uh, you know they they obviously have no idea of what of what's actually going on and it's just I think it's really well played actually uh, the, the whole kind of the wedding sequence in, in Brokeback Mountain it's excellent um, and then my third one is sort of a bit of a cheat actually I'm going to I'm going to go for this one it's not actually a wedding it's a wedding rehearsal uh, but if you only see volume one of Kill Bill you wouldn't know it's a rehearsal because he just shoots her in the head so that that's Basically, one of my top weddings of all time is the one where the bride gets kicked around, the pregnant bride gets pr- kicked around and then shot in the head. That's that's top entertainment in my book. That's that's what I want to see post-wedding breakfast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I completely forgot it was a rehearsal because I've tried to wipe the memory of Kill Bill Volume 2 from my Yeah, if you only watch Volume mind. 1 and you've never watched Volume 2 or you've forgotten all about it, you won't know it's a rehearsal because we find out right at the beginning of Volume 2. That it's, that it's the wedding rehearsal. I think it's the day before or something or the week before. Um, so yeah, if, if you only watch volume one, then that's fine. I've watched volume one far more than I've watched volume two. So I was like, yeah, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go with this one. Uh, yep. And it's, uh, yeah, it's a great film. So you go back to the wedding. I think you go back to the wedding in anime and you go back to it in black and white. Um, and I think volume two, it's all in black and white as well. Um, but yeah, it was really good. My idea of a top, top wedding. <laughs> Bear that in mind. <laughs> um, so that's your final three. Yes. That's that's your long list whittled down. Indeed, I, I left you some some spares. I left you my leftovers. <laughs> okay. Well, well, one of those leftovers is the Godfather. Uh, some that's some leftover, isn't it? I'm being generous. Which uh, which starts on uh, the day of his daughter's wedding. Uh, no, no, do it properly. I can't do it. If Owen's getting away of not doing impressions, I'm not doing impressions. Oh, you are no fun. <laughs> you do it then. And this, the day of my daughter's wedding. Yeah, Alright. It's almost like he was in the room. Yeah. It's almost like Marlon Brando was leering over my shoulder. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, so on, it begins at Vito Corleone's uh, daughter's wedding. Where people can make requests of him, um, and also his youngest son Michael is is in attendance. I'm guessing. Was he actually just back? Was he just in his marine uniform, or he just uh, come up, turned back from the marines after? Yeah, I think he gets from... leave, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. To like to come to the wedding, and he's got all his all his suit on and everything. And it just sets a scene for what is undoubtedly one of the best films ever. Um, I think probably most people listening to this will have seen The Godfather and will know the scene pretty much by, like the back of their hand by now, so there's not much point going through it all. Um, it's a great pick, though. I mean, it is undoubtedly one of the best weddings in, in movie history, and it's just become so like iconic. And like, you, you know, we've, we've done the quote already. That's just... It's entered pop culture now, and it, it's used all the time for... <laughs> <laughs> various different things and it's because it's such a great scene and everyone in it 
it really sets the tone for the rest of the, the film and for Godfather Part 2 because it's just so there's an air of menace underlying everything that's happening and it's supposed to be a wedding it's supposed to be all happy and joyous but there's just like this is a guy who can murder someone for you and you know it's just a he can ha- he can have someone whacked exactly. yeah. and then the husband thinks it's a great idea to like knock his daughter around what <laughs> yeah that's a bit silly. yeah that's just dumb I mean, if you're going to knock a girl around, you don't do it to the godfather's daughter, do you? No. Um, this is this is <laughs> that's not me advocating it, by the way. I was just making a I joke. Just, I just let you. Flippant comment. I just let you. I just gave you the rope. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've already talked about Kill Bill. Oh, no, stop speaking. I'll just shut up. Carry on, Steve. Sorry. Are you uh, are you married, Owen? I am married. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. no comment. No, she's in the kitchen right now. That's <laughs> no, another joke. Oh dear. Um, right, so, so, I'll appear on that this, 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 <laughs> this is where the, uh, the quality of, um, of my choices goes rapidly downhill as Owen's relationship <laughs> by the sounds of it. <laughs> uh, and the second film is old school. And for one reason only, and that is for the version of Total Eclipse of the Heart by the Wedding Band in Old School. Don't remember it. I have seen that film. I just basically, just basically, it's just basically dropping in the f bomb throughout the song. <laughs> um, I will edit in a clip of it into this podcast to save me from actually singing it for you. It's probably the best way if you haven't heard it. No, I'd rather you sang it, but okay. It's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the final choice, which is going to which is going to shock and appall many of you, but there's method to my madness, and it it is the uh, 2001 romantic comedy, The Wedding Planner. Oh Christ! There's there's a, there's a few That's weddings. That's Matthew McConaughey, isn't it? There's a few weddings in this film, given the title. Um, and it's only in my list because it stars Matthew McConaughey alongside Jennifer Lopez. Um, and. Probably leaning against each other on the yeah. poster as well, I imagine. <laughs> yeah. not, qu- not quite. Um, but anyway, it just lets us appreciate how far Matthew McConaughey has come. With, without watching this, without seeing this, without knowing that this exists and knowing how bad it is and how bad he is in it, you don't really appreciate how good he is in films like Dallas Buyers Club. So you've got to, to experience the highs, you've first got to experience the lows. Yes. To get full benefit from the reconnaissance, is that right? Yes. All right. You have to, you have to experience the journey that he's been on from <laughs> making like X abs- Factor. Yeah. Yeah. This, the Wedding Planet is very much his sob story. <laughs> he's starring alongside a singer because she ain't no actress. <laughs> Um, yeah, yes. that's a very tenuous <laughs> triple bill. So yes, okay. if you want to know how bad he was and how bad he still could have been, watch a film that has got a seventeen percent rating uh, <laughs> on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, I don't think I will. No. But okay. <laughs> Thank, yeah, thanks for the recommendation. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's okay. Uh, Owen, tell us what's in your list. Okay. Um, I think we're going from the low bro to the high bro again. But um, <laughs> my first two choices are absolute classic films. Uh, you know, both the films themselves are classics and the specific wedding scenes themselves are also classics. Um, even if the films themselves aren't necessarily about weddings or marriage, like The Wedding Planner. But, um, so my first pick is one I actually talked about on the podcast a few episodes ago, uh, when we were doing a triple bill on films over 170 minutes long. Uh, in fact, did that ever get published? I can't remember whether that got published, but I'm sure I've talked about it again since then anyway. Um, it's the wedding scene in Michael Cimino's 1978 Vietnam War film, The Deer Hunter. Um... Stories, uh, the film's about a community of steel workers in a small American town, specifically a group of uh, friends, including Robert De Niro, uh, Christopher Walken, Joe Casale, uh, and the groom, uh, played by John Savage. And they've enlisted to serve in Vietnam. But before that, uh, there's a, wid- a wedding, which uh, I think in total it lasts about 30 minutes. Uh, and it's at the very, very start of the film, really, or very close to the start of the film. Uh, but I found out recently that Chimino shot the whole thing like a proper wedding. Like he he had told the guests to behave like they're actually just going to a party, treat it as if you're just at a normal party, sit down, enjoy the food, at tables, have conversations, get get up, have a dance, that sort of thing. And he ended up with some of the some of the extras actually really wrapping up presents and bringing them in as wedding gifts, like not empty boxes which were props. There were people who brought in actual gifts yeah. for this fictional couple which is just amazing um, and the whole wedding scene shot about it, it took about five days to shoot it I think um, so it must have been one hell of a party probably a, nothing like the one Steve went to from the scenes of it but still uh, yeah so I some people um, think these scenes and I've you know I'm not just making this I have seen people say this and I've heard people say it as well um, that the scenes are a little bit self-indulgent or bloated because there's long bits where it is just people dancing or it's people enjoying a drink and there isn't too much in the way of um, conversation going on, not much dialogue or not much dialogue that moves things along very much Um, but at the same time, you know, it's this scene that really sets up the characters and it makes them seem quite real uh, before they go off into a world and experience horrors that you know, we can only imagine things that seem unreal, so uh, you know that's made it into my list because I think it's a great um, scene that sets up a group of friends um, who are about to experience something quite horrible. Um, yeah, my second choice, also a classic film, I think, is a 1967 movie, The Graduate, by Mike Nichols. The uh, film stars Dustin Hoffman as a recent graduate, surprise, surprise, who returns home and finds that he's got no idea what to do with himself. He's just at a bit of a loose end. Uh, his family are kind of pressuring in pressuring him into jobs and things he doesn't really want to do, he's got no interest in. And then he kind of meets and falls for the daughter of a family friend at, um, at a party. Uh, but he's also pursued by her cougar of a mother. Um, actually, can I say, I'm being really sexist today, aren't I? Can I say cougar? Is cougar a sexist term? I've kind of lost track don't of ask me, haven't what I'm if I'm being offensive anymore. But it's too late now. Older woman. Yeah. Why don't you say yeah. her mum? That, that sort of, who... like, sets the tone, doesn't it, really? Yeah. Sort of. <laughs> she's a bit more of a... She's pursuing him quite aggressively. Put it that way. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, the the famous wedding scene itself takes place right at the end of the film. 
and it's been homaged from you know the Simpsons with Abe and he's banging on the glass during Marge's mom's marriage to Mr. Burns and you say <laughs> Mrs. Bouvier you know and even in like Arrested Development every time Job says I've made a huge mistake and then Simon and Garfunkel say the silence <laughs> playing in the background it's an homage to the wedding scene from <laughs> The Graduate so you know it's just, it's not just um a great scene it's just influenced everything else around it it's just so profound and i don't really want to spoil it because the film the ending i thought was quite ambiguous i think there's a couple of ways you can interpret what's going on with this wedding and particularly um as they sort of run away from from this wedding scene but it's yeah it's a great scene and just a perfect ending to that movie and it's a, it's a really good film as well so that's my my second choice um and my final choice is a bit more of a kind of fun pick something i've picked that um yeah i don't know i can see it being rather controversial actually but rec 3 genesis is my third and final choice it's a, <laughs> it's a, a third film a great rom-com yeah. <laughs> a zom rom-com kind of huh. yeah <laughs> it's a uh, yeah it's a third film in the rec series which are Faint footage films, they're Spanish, and they're about, um, well, it's a kind of zombie uprising. Um, first film takes place, well, the first two films take place in a very centralised location. They're in a block of flats, everything's really claustrophobic, um, it's shut off after this infection's going around, and there's people coming back from the dead and eating each other and stuff like that. Traditional zombie stuff, I guess. And then the third film, Rec Genesis, the whole film is set at a wedding, and it starts off in like a fame footage style, which makes it quite believable that people would be filming stuff. Because, you know, at weddings, everyone's got a camera out almost all the time filming something. Um, but then, kind of, after about, I don't know, 20 minutes in, it just completely ditches the faint footage angle. Completely. Like, it purposefully disbands it. And it moves into a kind of traditional style. Um, I don't really know why, either. I'm not sure what the, the decision behind that was. But, Anyway, uh, it kind of breaks from that, and it's. It, I, I really enjoyed it. I think it's probably the, my favourite of the Wreck films. Um, it's just really fun. It's completely over the top. Um, you've got all kinds of. It ditches this whole stupid Bible stuff from the fir, uh, from the second film, which I wasn't very keen on. There's still a religious element to it, and it is quite satirical. And perhaps that's why they decided to set it at a wedding, you know, a holy ceremony, and then to actually make it <laughs> sort of. Religious religions at fault for this kind of thing. I don't know. It's a bit of dark humor, I suppose. Um, but yeah, I think it's great. I think it's a really good homage to to the sort of nineties and eighties zombie films that were ridiculously over the top. Um, yeah, decent lead actors, simple premise, good conclusive ending to it as well, and some great death scenes. So not more, not much else you could want from a wedding film, I suppose. No. Um... Did, did uh, James, uh, even though he's no longer with us, provide a list of, of his? Um, yeah, he uh, also chose The Graduate. Um, I think it was going to be quite a popular choice anyway. So, yeah, so we had The Graduate done. He also chose, uh, let me just find out, I remembered The Graduate because I chose it. He chose Kill Bill as well because, um, yeah, I I had chosen uh, yeah, it. That's right. And I was deliberating over whether to include it because... Uh, it's obviously not an actual wedding, and then I thought, well, if you haven't seen Volume Two, then you wouldn't know. So, 
Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, but he also chose the Adam Sandler film, uh, The Wedding Singer. He didn't say which particular wedding is his favourite from that, but um, I can't understand the choice myself, personally. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Um, so, yeah, I think that was that was it, really. He didn't give any further explanation on those. I mean, he also sort of mentioned The Godfather, um, which is always also going to be uh, a very popular choice. So, yeah, there we go. That was it, really. Okay. Uh, so, yes, that's all for uh, this week's podcast there, with the exception of some uh, recommendations um, for the next week or so. I'm going with something that's come on to uh, UK Netflix, which I watched when it was on uh, BBC. It's only three episodes long. Uh, it's called Generation War, and it's the lack of a uh, best description uh, Band of Brothers from German soldiers' point of view. Hmm. Is it a, Brit- a British? No, 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 no. German. BBC just bought the rights to to show it. it is um, pretty sure it's German made. Okay. Uh, that sounds interesting. Uh, Carol. Um, well, there does seem to be some sort of Nicolas Cage marathon on this week, but I'm going to spare everyone. <laughs> the the uh, torture of watching well even though I think they're good films other people don't seem to think that Knowing is a very good film so I'm going to come go on. for come what? on it's, it's amazing not, is it? come on no it's come amazing. on no come on the ending's brilliant no come on admit it you come on it's not good is it come on it is good no just, just <laughs> say it it's not good right the next time the remake of the Wicker Man's coming on that's it I'm going to make you watch it right it's, not, but... it's, it's better than Knowing yeah, but not by much. Knowing, knowing's brilliant, especially the plot. Oh, come on, the it plane is. crash scene is brilliant. Come on. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah. That's, no. It's all done in one shot. It's brilliant. Someone gets burned <laughs> and they're, they're asking Nicholas Cage for help and then something drops on their head. It's amazing. Anyway, uh, so I'm not going for that. I'm going for um, on Saturday um, at half past two. Uh, which is not a very football-friendly um, time of day, sorry. But uh, on it's, it, it's international week this week, so I think football's oh. on Fridays and Tuesdays, so you're all right. Oh, well, that's and, all right then. Unless, unless the listener supports some rubbish lower league team that no one cares about. Sorry sorry about that if you do. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, half past two on Saturday on E4 is um, Coraline, which uh, Owen's probably going to say he hates as well, even though I don't actually <laughs> remember that many songs in it. Um, but it, it's brilliant. I, I absolutely adore this film. It's, um, it's a Neil Gaiman adaptation, which I think actually is creepier than the book, which is very, very rare. Um, and it's just beautifully animated and, and the voice acting's amazing and it's, it's just so weird, uh, that, uh, I, you have to watch it just to believe it, really. Okay, uh, Owen? I'm recommending uh, Police Story 3, Super Cop, uh, which is on Film 4 on Sunday at 10 past 11. And the reason I'm recommending it, um, it's the uncut version, which had its UK debut last week on Film 4. Um, it's only ever been shown on TV in the UK before in its edited version, in its American dubbed and uh, completely just hacked to pieces version. So it's, it, this is the original Cantonese film that has subs rather than dubs. Um, and everyone should watch it. It's one of Jackie Chan's best films. Um, this, the whole Police Story series are brilliant, but Police Story 3 
Um, it's just, just mental. It's crazy. It's really good fun. Okay. So, yes, that is all for uh, this week's podcast then. Uh, keep your eyes on the site for, uh, obviously, all the Fright Fest stuff that is uh, already there. Um, the next goal wins interview and more and more stuff as well. Um, have, maybe there'll be a podcast next week, maybe they won't, but keep your eye on social media and the website and you'll, and you'll find out if there is going to be one. Uh, thanks to everyone who's contributed and to everyone who's listened. Um, and we will catch you at some point in the near future. the quiz then and uh carol i believe is winning the quiz after last week yes i am yes yeah. uh much i didn't to, get uh, my bonus point uh, for my morgan freeman impression that never happened so yes uh on to the quiz for this week where carol could take a two nil lead uh putting owen's chances of seeing run for your wife just that little bit <laughs> To be fair, I'd only have to watch half of it. No, no, you'd have to watch it from the start. That's how these things that's work. The, that's the rules. But then you can't, the rules you can't tell up. me about rules, Steve. You just frequently <laughs> don't bother. I'm a maverick who doesn't play by the rules. <laughs> who says I'm even going to choose one for your wife? I might choose something else. I might choose something that I think is amazing. Like knowing. Like knowing. <laughs> like knowing. <laughs> or the Wicker Man. Which Wicker Man? The remake, obviously. Oh. Not the original, <laughs> God. Uh, so, anyway, on to this week's quiz. I will start Spacing in 2008 with a film called The Poker House. <laughs> nope. Nope. We're going to go to 2010 with Winter's Bone. Owen. Yes, Owen. Jennifer Lawrence. Can you let me do the next film first? <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Okay. Right. Carry on. Well, uh, right, no. Okay. Perhaps I, I forgot. I forgot what I've said already. So carry on, Steve. Okay. Okay. Two thousand. Oh, Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> Can you let me do the next film, please? <laughs> okay. It's very important that I read out the next film in this list. Okay. Two thousand eleven, The Beaver. <laughs> <laughs> Owen. Jennifer Lawrence. Uh, yes, it is Jennifer Lawrence. That's one all. I've no idea why she's being mentioned this week and why we find the name of the beaver so funny in relation to her name. Moving on to the news as swiftly as we can. <laughs> Owen, haven't we got some stuff about Fright Fest on the website? Uh, yes, Fright Fest is still continuing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, well, f- the, f- the festival's over, but we've got loads of stuff going up on the website still. Still got some reviews to go up. Um, Shorky's interview, Mike Shorky. Uh, or Mike Shawcross is Shawkey1969 on Twitter. Um, had an interview with uh, Jessica Cameron from Truth or Dare, which has gone live on the website this week and is I'm uh, not sort of it's, it is a little bit of a humble brag I guess, but it's m- m- one of my favourite things that I've published on the site because I think she's um, she comes across really interesting in in the. Uh, in the interview, it's very entertaining. And Ryan Kaiser as well seems like a really funny guy who's the lead actor in J- 
Jessica's film Truth or Dare. So it's well worth a read. I'm I'm very pleased to 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 publish that on the site, and um, we've also got a review of Truth or Dare that's gone up as well. And like I say, we'll have a lot more um, reviews of things coming out uh, soon. And you've also got a, an interview for us as well, haven't you, Steve? Yes, on the site. By the time this podcast comes out, with any luck, will be a interview with uh, a genuine international footballer. Which, which is something that we don't say that often because we're a film site. Um, it, it's not Wayne Rooney. He he was ineligible to talk to. Yes, yeah, it's just reviews. Uh, no, um, but no. Uh, in conjunction with Born Offside, we secured an interview uh, with the American Samoa national team goalkeeper and one of the stars of the documentary Next Goal Wins. Um, yes. Which, if which if you had uh, been looking at our website and Born Offside's website, you would have seen a competition to win a copy of it on DVD. If you didn't enter it, you can't win it. It's your own fault. So, yeah, and previously we had an interview with director Steve Jameson of Next Goal Wins, which you can still find on the website, as long as my written review and podcast review. Uh, and thanks to everyone involved in Next Goal Wins for being so helpful to us on Born Offside um, as, as we've been reviewing and promoting the film. Uh, that's the end of part one, really, with a lack of any real kind of news, uh, unfortunately a lack of deaths this week, and we'll be back after the break with what we've been watching. Okay, time for what we've been watching now, where we take a look at the films we've seen in the last week or so, which aren't necessarily new releases. Uh, Owen, why don't you kick us off with what you've seen? Uh, yeah, okay, I watched a film that um, came out last year, um, which I really wanted to see when it was out, um, but annoyingly it wasn't shown at my uh, my local cinema. It is Homefront, um, starring Jason Statham, and I am a fan of Jason Statham's, and I'm not ashamed to admit it. Yeah, obviously everyone should be. Um, I also quite like Sylvester Stallone's work as a writer. He's he wrote this film as well. I don't think he directed it actually. I think it was directed by a guy called uh, Gary Fleder. I think his name is. Um, but he also stars James Franco. We know the writers in it as well. Um, Clancy Brown shows up. So there's a you know there's a few biggish names um, in there. But it is essentially another action film. Uh, it's about a former DEA agent who uh, moves with his daughter to a quiet town um, after his wife and, and the, his, obviously his, his kid's mom died quite recently um, where he kind of gets mixed up in a feud with a family after her, his daughter gets in a fight with their son at school and it turns out that this guy is a local meth drug lord, wouldn't you know it so obviously lots of um, action occurs, things kick off um, it's alright really uh, I was a bit, like I say, a bit disappointed it wasn't shown at my cinema last year, uh, but I didn't really go out of my way to see this. It's just that I happened to see that it was on uh, US Netflix, and so I gave it a watch, and it was quite good. Um, the plot's a little bit, uh, a little bit Winter's Bone, since we've mentioned it already. It's the direction's a bit like um, Faster or Snitch or one of those kind of films that The Rock's been in quite recently, and the quality's a little bit. Um, well, I mean, it's just a state, Jason Statham film, isn't it? I mean, if you've seen Parker, if you've seen Safe, if you've seen The Mechanic, or any of those kind of films, 
it's a, a lot like those. Um, you know, there's blood feuds, you've got biker gangs, you've got undercover cops, people getting in over their head, and, you know, just like, actually, one of my favourite things about it is, um, like in Hummingbird, or, or Redemption, as I think it's known in the US, um, Statham, again, has got a long-haired wig for a bit. And it's very strange seeing Jason Statham with long hair, but it's also a little bonus for the film. And yeah, very strange, yes, but it's it's, it's a bit weird when you see it, because it doesn't look right at all, because he's just used to being this big, bald, hard-looking cockney fella. But anyway, yeah, so I mean, if there's one criticism that I've got to level at it, uh, unfortunately, it's the fact that it's a bit ordinary. Um, you know, the action scenes aren't particularly memorable. The acting's a little bit below what I expected it to be. And what I mean by that is I wasn't expecting a star performance from Jason Statham as this Oscar-winning, Oscar-nominated character. It's just that, it, you know, like James Franco is in it and he plays the meth drug lord and he is a bit um, unhinged. So I kind of expected him to be a bit more batshit mental as this crazy drug lord. And he was a little bit, but it was also below what I thought he, he was capable of. Like, if you've seen, um, oh God, what was that film that he was in? Spring Break, or Spring Breakers. That film is just crazy, and he is really just completely off the wall. And that. It's it's a lot more understated in this, but still kind of kind of crazy. So it was all right, but it, I, I expected him to be a bit better. And the story is just really generic as well. Um, you know, considering the fact um, that it just, all it aims to be, really, is a decent sort of 90 minutes of a daughter-father relationship story set against this drug war, you know, rather than this huge crime epic. It just, it's pretty much hits the beats that it intends to uh, in all the right places. So it's kind of worth a watch if you like Jason Statham film. It's not going to change anyone's opinion on Jason Statham. Um, it's not going to suddenly turn around his career and he will become this Oscar-nominated actor. I don't think so. He's got a very... Um, particular market and it's another film that fits into that demographic and it does it quite ably you know I, I, yeah it's quite good okay uh <coughs> carol what have you seen um well first film i saw this weekend was actually one that owen reviewed last week which was sin city to a dame to kill for but i thought that you know now i've seen it i'm going to give in inglorious 2d I'm going to give my uh, my two cents. Did you see it in 3D, Owen? You must have done. I did, yeah. It yeah. Really, I, I imagine it probably wasn't worth it. I think you said that last week, actually, didn't you? Did nothing, really. Did nothing. Oh, it's already a very stylish film, and the 3D just... It was pointless. Yeah, I couldn't really... I, I think there were a couple of bits where, you know, you know you got those obligatory made-for-3D like efforts, <laughs> yeah. a couple of money shots. That you're like, oh, yes, in 3D, that'll be coming right at me. But, you know, in 2D, it does nothing. Um, but you know, apart from that, yeah, I didn't really see that it was going to add add a lot. So I decided to wait until the two D. And also, I'm a cheapskate, so I decided to wait until the two <laughs> D release came out. Um, so yeah, I saw this, and to be honest, I saw it, it. It's I saw it three days ago, and I'm really struggling to remember anything that happened in it. It's just really forgettable. I mean, I like the first one. Don't don't get me wrong. I'm not I'm not anti these sorts of films. So I do I do really like the first Sin City. But there's nothing. I, it is, um, I haven't yeah. seen that film for a while. I meant to watch it before I went to see Sin City too, but I didn't get <laughs> around to last it. Words. But I can still remember really clearly um, elements of that film, even though I haven't seen it for just well over two years now. Yeah. I can still remember certain sections of that film very, very clearly. 
I haven't seen I've seen this film two days ago, three days ago, and I can't remember bits of it. I can't remember large chunks of it. I can remember one bit, and I don't really want to really want to give it away. But that that's about it, and that kind of summed up the film for me really. I was also just really appalled at the fact it was only I think it's only just about an hour and a half long. It feels so much longer than that. I have no idea how it managed to stretch itself out. <laughs> um, but yeah, overall, I just wasn't. It, it it just wasn't it it was kind of more of the same but less of the same if that makes any sense it it wasn't really wasn't really as kind of hard hitting as the first one we we've kind of passed passed that by i think a little bit uh, as we were talking about last week it's it's main the, the first sin city its main um uh, angle was really really looking like the book and you know we, we've had plenty of those now so it needs to rely on something else um, I don't know what the actual stories are like that this is based on. I think it's based on three stories, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what the actual stories are like, but I, I won't be rushing to, to read them anytime soon based on this. Having said that, though, um, I thought the performances were really good. I thought uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt was really, really good in his in his section, even though he's not really in it enough for my, for my liking. I like Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Um, and I thought Josh Brolin was really good. And Eva Green was quite good, despite her appalling American accent. <laughs> she really can't do an accent to save her life. But um, yeah, so you know, there were a lot of good performances. I thought even Jessica Rowe was quite good in her in her section. But it just didn't. It just underwhelmed me massively. I think, unfortunately, well, I, I'm disappointed because, as I said, I do I do enjoy the first one as well. And I've been looking forward to this for a while. But um, yeah, just, it was just very meh, unfortunately. Um, th- there was a point you made there about it feeling just like um, that it's not anything extraordinary and it's just more like the same but less of the same. I think that's a really good, <laughs> poignant phrase for it because it, 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 you're just revisiting the place and the people aren't as exciting as they were in the first film. Things aren't as um, controversial, I guess, as, as the first film either, uh, unless you count excessive nudity as controversial I don't really gonna go down that subject but the but the um the, the but the film itself I kind of liked it and I did like going back to this this base in city I, I liked it there and I wanted more of that and I felt oppositely in the sense that it felt really short to me and I wanted to spend more time with these characters and I thought if we had more um perhaps even just one more story going on through these sequences it probably would have made it a bit more engaging but at the same time it isn't as good as the first film you know the stories aren't as good so yeah I understand and um, can appreciate why you've, you've sort of had that opinion to it and it, it seems to be quite a popular opinion as well lots of people have come out saying similar sorts of things so I, I've read a lot of different opinions on it, actually I, I've read uh, reviews from some people who really loved it I didn't read anything before I before I went in um, but I've read some people that really liked it and some people just really, really hated it. But I get the feeling the people who hated it wouldn't have liked the first one either. This isn't going to change their minds. Um, mm. I just felt like... Well, the, the re- reception from Fright Fest, the screening, was people were a bit, well, why is it showing at Fright Fest anyway? Yeah. And then afterwards they were like, well, that wasn't particularly a great film either. So, you know, yeah, perhaps... I don't really know how to approach it because I think people like you were just saying I think people who like the first one will probably like it a bit and 
people who didn't like the first one, it's just not really going to be for them either. So yeah, I, don't know. I, I know I know what you mean about the whole kind of like the whole uh, location and you know being back there and stuff and that and that's all really good and they evoke the feeling of Sin City really really well. And you know you're you're left in no doubt that this is a bad place. Uh, mm. But you know yeah we've we've seen it all before. Old Town, you know that was quite kind of shocking in the first one we've seen it all before now we know that the prostitutes will run it but you know that's you know nothing else is revealed really and i think actually what it didn't benefit from i think in this one it could have benefited from um a bit more uh connection between the between the stories i think they were all kind of so distant from each other um and they're all kind of um chopped up and I just, I just felt like it was very disjointed in that way. I know, I know the first one didn't have a lot of connectivity either, but I felt like it flowed better. Um, mm-hmm. And I didn't feel this one did so much. Okay, uh, a film I have seen is a film called Goodbye World. Uh, after watching a few Fright Fest films on American Netflix, which we spoke about American Netflix and why we don't have a problem with talking about using it, despite being in the UK. Um, but anyway, it's been recommended to me a lot of horror films and a lot of kind of uh, films of that kind of uh, mm-hmm. subject. And this one is, or was meant to be, described as a post-apocalyptic film. I like post-apocalyptic films, partly because I think I'd thrive if the world ended. <laughs> like I think, a cockroach. I think I think it'd be I think it'd be a great leveller, kind of like in the same way you know when when people in football talk about uh, rain, bad weather being a great leveller, I'd kind of think the end of the world would be like that for me, the rest of civilization. Would you put have uh, to put in then an early reducer on uh, on whoever you met, just to lay <laughs> down the lay down the law? Yeah, whatever whatever kind of uh, township. Or whatever I walked into, I would kill the leader straight away to kind of, you know, basically go, that's what I'm about. I'm in charge now. You're basically the governor from The Walking Dead in waiting. Yeah, but I'm not going to have like people's heads in a fish tank, stuff like that. So you're, so you're like Carver from the game then, who's like the governor light. I'm not, I'm not proper mental. But anyway, this is quite a depressing yeah. topic of conversation. <laughs> but anyway, the 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 post the, the poster of the film is quite encouraging because there's like some guy like stood on top of a hill looking over a big fire in a big city, and you're kind of thinking, yeah, that looks like kind of a, a, a film that I'd enjoy. It's, it's rubbish. It's oh <laughs> it starts it stars Adrian Adrian uh, Grenier, I believe it's pronounced, who you probably better know as Vincent Chase from Entourage. Uh, and also, um, can't remember the actress's name, but she's in, she's one of the hostages in, uh, Argo, and she's one of the, um, the kind of central characters of the last series of Scrubs. Um, I can't remember her name for the life of me. Not the one who was in Carnivale and, uh, um, uh, no? I don't know. What was. No. Okay. <laughs> anyway, anyway, um, it's not really post-apocalyptic film. It deals with kind of um, a breakdown of society, kind of the initial stages of it. Uh, America is is under a cyber attack, which kind of shuts everything down. Um, 
you know, it's the initial stages of that. But you, it's never really kind of a post-apocalyptic feel to it. I mean, there's all these friends uh, at one of their houses, kind of out in the sticks somewhere, um, who've managed to get, who's managed to store a load of food and medicine and supplies. At one point, the army comes and tries to take it, and they do take it. It's kind of allowed to, um, and that's about it. It's, you know, nothing really happens in this film. It's more a film about the relationships between the people who are stuck in this house, um, who seem to be shagging around a bit, cheating on each other, rather than the actual end of the world that's going on around them. Um, it's just really boring. I don't really care for any of the characters. I'm not sure if the acting's good or not, because if they're meant to be playing absolute dickheads, even <laughs> even down to the child in it, then yes... Um, you know they are they are excellent actors all round. <laughs> if if they're not meant to be dickheads, then they're terrible actors because that's how they're coming across. This is like um, monsters. This is how I had the reaction to monsters. And I know, are you really like monsters? Don't, don't you? No, I hate it. I like. Oh, you hate yeah. it? Yeah. Oh, right. Someone. I, okay. I like monsters, like and I think James liked it as well. But I like monsters. No, yeah. I really don't like but those it. characters. Are utter dickheads. Yeah, puts me off the whole. I just want them to die all the way through. Just die, yeah. please. If you're gonna if you're gonna make a monster film, put some monsters in it. Or if you're gonna make a character film, put some characters in it that I'm actually gonna empathise with and want to survive. That's my that's my two cents. Exactly. Yeah, I agree with that. So it sounds like that um, this program, this film's had the same sort of problem, really. Yeah, but it it, it gives a false impression. Even the description on Netflix gave gave me a false impression of what the film was actually about. Um, and. Yeah, look, there's a child character. One of the one of the couples have got a child, and she's just like a brat, and she doesn't get like punished for it, or shouted at, or told off, or anything. It's just like just allowed to be a, an annoying little shit. <laughs> to be fair, if like an apocalypse had come over, and you were you know just playing on your PlayStation or playing with your Barbie dolls, or whatever you, whatever the kids do these days, and the apocalypse comes along, and you know you have to suddenly be on the run, and you're like, but, she's, you know, but they're not on the run. They're just in this house, and the army turns up once and like gives you stuff, or we shoot you, and they know no one gets shot by the army. Do they like, take her Barbies? Nothing. No. Oh, well, the kids that, pro- she's got the no kids, excuse. The kids probably probably in the house, uh, not even seeing what's going on because she wasn't in that scene, so she doesn't really know anything about it. And she's just a little obnoxious. But even before, like the society breaks down, they're all just up there with their mates at this house. She's a brat. Then I take it back. So, <laughs> and and you know, if she if she's meant to be a brat, she's got a great future in acting ahead of her. If she's not, uh, then she's got no hope. <laughs> I hate to put down somebody who's probably less than seven years old, but that's that's how I feel about this film. Um, oh well. Yeah. Can't accuse, accuse you of being ageist. No. Uh, and yeah, it's just I wouldn't recommend watching it for its kind of anyone. I didn't enjoy it at all. Um, Do you think you might have enjoyed it a bit more though if the description had been more accurate of what it? Was? I probably wouldn't have watched. Or would you have just not watched it? <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't have watched it if they had sort of said if it had been like um, some some friends go to a house and the society kind of falls down, but you don't see much of it. Then I wouldn't have watched it when it's kind of with the poster. And a description making out it's an end of the world film, um, or kind of you know, post-apocalyptic or whatever. It kind of the description kind of made out it was set like down the line more in you know, yeah. 
it wasn't good at all. Char- no, no characters that were likable. Um, a plot that was boring, and uh, acting that was irritating. Annoying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was that more or less. This is the problem with it, with Terrible. apocalyptic stuff, isn't it? You've got to keep you've got to keep like, at least one character in there that's likable, otherwise. Everyone ends up like uh, Andrew from The Walking Dead, where you're just waiting for her to get bitten and just going, for God's sake, get on with it, seriously. Yeah, I mean, and everyone rejoices. Well, you have it the, the op- I think the opposite way of doing it is with Cormac McCarthy's um, The Road, where you've just got two people, and you've got no choice but to follow them, because they're just two people, and it's what they do. And there's no way that he's trying to make them likeable, there's no way he's trying to make them... In fact, he goes out of his way at points, I think, to make them unlike. Yeah, but the kids never um, like moaning about not being able to play with his Legos. Well, they keep saying, they keep going pop up all the time. That was irritating. Yeah, I think I think get that because it was it was fairly obviously set in America. They don't say popper in America like that. But, <laughs> yeah, just anyway. it's this little. But yeah, if these people were in my township where I just killed the leader, I wouldn't kill them, <laughs> but I'd definitely exile them. I'll definitely put them outside the gates with a day's worth of food and water and say, right, get away. Just go away <laughs> and don't darken my door again. Uh, there, well, there you go. There's, there's part two finished. And up next we have got Tripleville. So on to Tripleville then, um, where we are looking at our favourite or the best movie weddings. Um, or possibly film centred around a wedding. Um, due to the fact that, as we mentioned earlier, I went to a wedding at the weekend and we planned this thing terribly. <laughs> um, was it a good wedding though, Steve? It was very good. One of my friends passed out uh, at about 8 o'clock and had to get uh, picked up by his wife, who's about to give birth in a month, so that was exciting. Always a uh, sign of a good... I was going to say, he wasn't the groom, was it? <laughs> no, no. Was he um, wearing a tie around his, was he wearing his tie around his head? Because that's always no, a sign he, of a good way. He, he found the football and was kicking it kicking it at strangers and then got on a bouncy castle that was there and fell over and got bullied by children before being, <laughs> before, before being sick and passing out and getting taken home. Was it a free bar? No. Because that's got to be expected. No. It wasn't even a free bar. No. Oh, and he, had, he hadn't <laughs> even drunk any more than the rest of us, so I don't really know what happened. But There you go. So is it in your top three films? <laughs> th- th- top three weddings, rather, um, you've been to? Yeah, I haven't been to many, though, to be fair, but it was a good wedding. Yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah. I went to one uh, about a month ago where they signed the register to... Um, there's two songs they sound original to with a Legend of Zelda theme tune and the Game of Thrones theme tune. That was that was amazing. Wow, <laughs> it was. And all the uh, and all the tables were named after the families in Game of Thrones. I, I didn't really understand it at the time, but I've now started watching Game of Thrones, so I now understand it. And I think we were put on the ones that have all the incest. So I'm not happy with that. <laughs> to be fair, there's not many families tables that you could yeah, put on exactly. that wouldn't be any better. So. <laughs> um. So anyway, yes, um, uh, Carol, why don't you start us off with the three films that you're selecting? Um, all right, well, I'm not a massive fan of films with weddings in, to be perfectly honest, so you'll, you'll find no romantic comedy nonsense or any Matthew McConaughey nonsense on, on this list. Uh, so I did, have to, I did have to scrabble around a little bit. So my first um, pick is uh, Corpse Bride, which is... 
well, you know, it's it's quite good. It's a Tim Burton film. I'm a big fan of Tim Burton. Um, and it does obviously feature a wedding in it by by dint of the uh, of the title. Um, and it's just basically about a guy who accidentally marries a dead girl. And uh, you know, it's it's quite sweet. I quite like it. It's no. We've all been in... there. We've all yeah, we've all done it. <laughs> you know, three o'clock in the morning. Um, Wed- wedding at Bernie's. <laughs> that probably would have been better than Corpse Bride, but carry on. There is no wedding at Bernie's, is there? There might be, and I just don't know about it. That's um, that, that's my next idea for Hollywood. <laughs> I used to love that film when I was a kid. Anyway, um, yeah, and it's it's very it's very sweet. It's no, it's nowhere near as good as Nightmare Before Christmas, which I know Tim Burton didn't direct, but he did produce. Um, but you know, I think it's quite good. I like I quite like the um, the songs in it, and I quite like the voice acting. I quite like Helen Bonham Carter as the as the Corpse Bride, and it's just sort of like ghoulish ghoulish humour really, which I quite like. Go on, Owen. I know you want to. <laughs> no, I hated it. You hate? How can you the first hate First time it? I saw it, I, re- I didn't really like it, but I didn't really care that much. And then I, when I bought my new TV, I got two Blu-rays to test it out on. My new HD TV. I got Batman Begins, which is great, and I got Corpse Bride, which was not <laughs> very good at all. And actually, I had a thing on um, Twitter with a guy called Paul. Uh, at Pastor, who we sent each other our three worst DVDs, and one of my DVDs I sent him um, was Corpse Bride. Oh come on! I really didn't like it. It really just irritated me, and the the fucking Peter Law esque worm thing that just keep ah, <laughs> oh, you know, but you you know what I'm yes. like that with musicals. Yes, I do. As soon as they start singing, I just groan and I roll my eyes and I just wish it would end. And that was how I felt about the whole of Corpse Bride. Oh, Everything I just groaned at. This is this is terrible news. I I am I am <laughs> one. I'm shocked shocked that you have this I attitude. Bet. But seriously, it being one of the, the three. Well, I suppose like if if it's ones that you actually own, and you got given that one, then I can then I can sort of see. If one no, I bought it. You bought it. Bought it. And then I gave it away for free because I hated it. <laughs> oh dear. Well, yeah. that was that was what part one of Certainly my triple bill, anyway. <laughs> I think we can safely assume it's not on Owen's list. Um, yeah, no, 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 My second one, actually, is um, something completely different, which is uh, Brokeback Mountain. So there's there's two weddings in the, in Brokeback Mountain, actually. I think I haven't seen it for a while, but um, it's just it's quite poignant I think because obviously they're they're both kind of in love with each other but they're also having to get married to these to these two girls and uh it's just really sad I found it found it really kind of tragic because obviously they're all delighted and really happy as as women are meant to be about weddings and uh not all of them though and uh you know they they obviously have no idea of what of what's actually going on and it's just I think it's really well played actually uh the, the whole kind of Weddings sequence in the in Brokeback Mountain. It's excellent. Um, and then my third one is sort of a bit of a cheat. Actually, I'm going to I'm going to go for this one. It's not actually a wedding. It's a wedding rehearsal. Uh, but if you only see Volume One of Kill Bill, you wouldn't know it's a rehearsal because he just shoots her in the head. So that that's basically one of my top weddings of all time. Is the one where the bride gets kicked around, the pregnant bride gets pr- kicked around, and then shot in the head. That's that's top entertainment in my book. That's that's what I want to see post wedding breakfast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's 
I completely forgot it was a rehearsal because I've tried to wipe the memory of Kill Bill Volume 2 from my Yeah, if you only watch Volume 1 and you've never watched Volume 2 or you've forgotten all about it, you won't know it's a rehearsal because we find out right at the beginning of Volume 2 that it's, that it's the wedding rehearsal. I think it's the day before or something or the week before. Um, so yeah, if, if you only watch Volume 1, then that's fine. I've watched Volume 1 far more than I've watched Volume 2. So I was like, yeah, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go with this one. Uh, yeah, and it's a, yeah, it's a great film. So you go back to the wedding, I think you go back to the wedding in anime and you go back to it in black and white. Um, and I think Volume 2, it's all in black and white as well. Um, but yeah, it was really good. My idea of a top, top wedding. Bear that in mind. <laughs> um, so that's your final three. Yes. That's that's your long list whittled down. Indeed. I, I left you some, some spares. I left you my leftovers. <laughs> there you go. Well, well, one of those leftovers is The Godfather. Uh, that's, some, that's some leftover, isn't it? I'm being generous. Which, uh, which starts on uh, the day of his daughter's wedding. Uh, no, no, do it properly. I can't do it. <laughs> if, Owen, if Owen's getting away of not doing impressions, I'm not doing impressions. Oh, you're no fun. <laughs> you do it then. And this, the day of my daughter's wedding. Yeah, all right. It's almost like he was in the room. Yeah. <laughs> almost like Marlon Brando was leering over my shoulder. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, so on, it begins at Vito Corleone's uh, daughter's wedding where people can make requests of him. Um, and also his youngest son, Michael, is, is in attendance, I'm guessing. Was he actually just back? Was he just in his marine uniform, or he just uh, come up, turned back from the marines after? Yeah, I think he gets leave, from... doesn't he? Yeah. To, yeah. Like to come to the wedding, yeah. and he's got all his all his suit on and everything. And it just sets a scene for what is undoubtedly one of the best films ever. Um, I think probably most people listening to this will have seen The Godfather, and will know the scene pretty much by like the back of their hand by now. So there's not much point going through it all. Um, it's a great pick, though. I mean, it is undoubtedly one of the best weddings in, in movie history, and it's just become so like iconic. And like you've, you know, we've we've done the quote already. That's just it's entered pop culture now, and it, it's used all the time for <laughs> various different things. And it's because it's such a great scene, and everyone in it, it really sets the tone for the rest of the the film and for Godfather Part Two, because it's just so there's an air of menace underlying everything that's happening and it's supposed to be a wedding it's supposed to be all happy and joyous but there's just like this is a guy who can murder someone for you and you know it's just a he can can have someone whacked Exactly. and then the husband thinks it's a great idea to like knock his daughter around what? (laughs) yeah that's a bit silly yeah that's just dumb I mean, if you're going to knock a girl around, you don't do it to the godfather's daughter, do you? No. Um, this is this is <laughs> that's not me advocating it, by the way. I was just making a I just, joke. I just let you. I just let you. I just gave you the rope. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've already talked about Kill Bill. Oh, no, stop speaking. I'll just shut up. Carry on, Steve. Sorry. Are you uh, are you married, Owen? I am married. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. no comment. No, she's in the kitchen right now. That's <laughs> <laughs> right, another joke. Oh dear. 
Um, right, so, so this, 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 this is where the, uh, the quality of, um, of my choices goes rapidly downhill as Owen's relationship <laughs> by the sounds of it. Uh, and the second film is old school. And for one reason only, and that is for the version of Total Eclipse of the Heart by the Wedding Band in old school. Don't remember it. <laughs> I, have, I have seen that film. I just basically, just basically, it's just basically dropping in the f bomb throughout the song. <laughs> um, I will edit in a clip of it into this podcast to save me from actually singing it for you. It's probably the best way if you haven't heard it. No, I'd rather you sang it, but okay. it's, it's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and the final choice, which is gonna, which is gonna shock and appall many of you, but there's method to my madness. And it, it is the, uh, 2001 romantic comedy, The Wedding Planner. Oh, Christ. There's, there's a, there's a few That's weddings. That's Matthew McConaughey, in, isn't it? There's a few weddings in this film, given the title. Um, and it's only in my list because it stars Matthew McConaughey alongside Jennifer Lopez. Um, and probably leaning against each other. On the yeah. Coast as well, I imagine. <laughs> yeah. Not qu- not quite. Um, but anyway, it just lets us appreciate how far Matthew McConaughey has come. With, without watching this, without seeing this, without knowing that this exists, and knowing how bad it is and how bad he is in it, you don't really appreciate how good he is in films like Dallas Buyers Club. So you've got to, to experience the highs, you've first got to experience the lows. Yes. To get full benefit from the reconnaissance, is that right? Yes. All right. You have to, you have to experience the journey that he's been on. From <laughs> it's making like X abs- Factor. Yeah. yeah. This, the Wedding Planet is very much his sob story. <laughs> he's starring alongside a singer because she ain't no actress. Um. Yeah, yes. that's a very tenuous <laughs> to the triple bill. So yes, okay. if you want to know how bad he was and how bad he still could have been, watch a film that has got a 17% rating uh, <laughs> on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, I don't think I will. No. But... <laughs> yeah, thanks for the recommendation. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Uh, Owen, tell us what's in your list. Okay, um, I think we're going from the low bro to the high bro again. But um, <laughs> my first two choices are absolute classic films. Uh, you know, both the films themselves are classics, and the specific wedding scenes themselves are also classics. Um, even if the films themselves aren't necessarily about weddings or marriage, like the wedding planner. But um, so my first pick is one I actually talked about on the podcast a few episodes ago uh, when we were doing a triple bill on films over 170 minutes long. In fact, did that ever get published? I can't remember whether that got published, but I'm sure I've talked about it again since then anyway. Um, it's the wedding scene in Michael Cimino's 1978 Vietnam War film, The Deer Hunter. Um, stories, uh, the film's about a community of steel workers in a small American town, specifically a group of uh, friends, including Robert De Niro, uh, Christopher Walker and Joe Casale, uh, and the groom, uh, played by John Savage. And they've enlisted to serve in Vietnam. But before that, uh, there's a, wid- a wedding, which uh, I think in total it lasts about 30 minutes. Uh, and it's at the very, very start of the film, really, or very close to the start of the film. 
Uh, but I found out recently that Chimino shot the whole thing like a proper wedding. Like he, he had told the guests to behave like they're actually just going to a party. Treat it as if you're just at a normal party. Sit down, enjoy the food, at table, have conversations, get get up, have a dance, that sort of thing. And he ended up with some of the some of the extras actually really wrapping up presents and bringing them in as wedding gifts. Like not empty boxes which were props. There were people who brought in actual gifts yeah. for this fictional couple, which is just amazing. Um, and the whole wedding scene shot about it, it took about five days to shoot it, I think. Um, so it must have been one hell of a party. Probably nothing like the one Steve went to from the scenes of it, but still, uh, yeah. So I, some people um, think these scenes, and I've, you know, I'm not just making this. I have seen people say this, and I've heard people say it as well um, that the scenes are a little bit self-indulgent or bloated because there's long bits where it is just people dancing or it's people enjoying a drink, and there isn't too much in the way of um, conversation going on, not much dialogue, or not much dialogue that moves things along very much. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's this scene that really sets up the characters and it makes them seem quite real uh, before they go off into a world and experience horrors that, you know, we can only imagine things that seem unreal. So, uh, you know, that's made it into my list because I think it's a great um, scene that sets up a group of friends um, who are about to experience something quite horrible. Um, yeah, my second choice, also a classic film thing, is a 1967 movie, The Graduate, by Mike Nichols. The uh, film stars Dustin Hoffman as a recent graduate, surprise, surprise, who returns home and finds that he's got no idea what to do with himself. He's just at a bit of a loose end. Uh, his family are kind of pressuring, in, pressuring him into jobs and things he doesn't really want to do, he's got no interest in. And then he kind of meets and falls for the daughter of a family friend at, um, at a party. Uh, but he's also pursued by her cougar of a mother. Um, actually, can I say I'm being really sexist today? Aren't I? Can I say cougar is cougar a sexist term? I've kind of lost track. Don't of ask me. I don't know. What I'm just, uh, from being offensive anymore? But it's too late now. Older woman. Yeah. Why don't you say <laughs> yeah. her mum? That that sort of who... like sets the tone, doesn't it? Really. Yeah. Sort of. <laughs> she's a bit more of a. She's pursuing him quite aggressively. Put it that way. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, the the famous wedding scene itself takes place right at the end of the film. And it's been homaged from, you know, The Simpsons with Abe and he's banging on the glass during Marge's mom's marriage to Mr. Burns and you say, <laughs> Mrs. Bouvier! You know, and even in, like, Arrested Development, every time Job says, I've made a huge mistake, and then... Simon and Garfunkel, Sane of Silence, <laughs> played in the background. It's an homage to the wedding scene from The, the Graduate. So, you know, it's just, it's not just um, a great scene. It's just influenced everything else around it. It's just so profound. And I don't really want to spoil it because the, film, the ending I thought was quite ambiguous. I think there's a couple of ways you can interpret what's going on with this wedding. And particularly um, as they sort of run away from, from this wedding scene. But it's, yeah, it's a great scene. And just a perfect ending to that movie and it's a, it's a really good film as well so that's my my second choice um and my final choice is a bit more of a kind of fun pick something i've picked that um yeah i don't know i'd see it being rather controversial actually but wreck three genesis is my third and final choice it's the, uh, <laughs> it's uh, the third film a great rom-com yeah. <laughs> 
Ezom rom com kind of. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's a uh, yeah, it's a third film in the Wreck series, which are faint footage films. They're Spanish and they're about um, well, it's a kind of zombie uprising. Um, first film takes place. Well, but the first two films take place in a very centralized location. They're in a block of flats. Everything's really claustrophobic. Um, it's shut off after this infection's going around and there's people coming back from the dead and eating each other and stuff like that. Traditional zombie stuff, I guess. And then the third film, Wreck Genesis, the whole film is set at a wedding. And it starts off in like a fame footage style, which makes it quite believable that people would be filming stuff. Because, you know, at weddings, everyone's got a camera out almost all the time filming something. Um, but then, kind of... After about, I don't know, 20 minutes in, it just completely ditches the faint footage angle. Completely. Like, it purposefully disbands it. And it moves into a kind of traditional style. Um, I don't really know why either. I'm not sure what the, the decision behind that was. But anyway, uh, it kind of breaks from that. And it's... It, I, I really enjoyed it. I think it's probably the, my favourite of the Wreck films. Um, it's just really fun. It's completely over the top. Um, you've got all kinds of. It ditches this whole stupid Bible stuff from the fir- uh, from the second film, which I wasn't very keen on. There's still a religious element to it, and it is quite satirical. And perhaps that's why they decided to set it at a wedding, you know, a holy ceremony, and you know, to actually make it <laughs> sort of religious religions at fault for this kind of thing. I don't know. It's a bit of dark humour, I suppose. Um, but yeah, I think it's great. I think it's a really good homage to to the sort of 90s and 80s zombie films that were ridiculously over the top. Um, yeah, decent lead actors, simple premise, good conclusive ending to it as well, and some great death scenes. So not more, not much else you could want from a wedding film, I suppose. No. Um, did did uh, James, uh, even though he's no longer with us, provide a list of, of his? Um, yeah, he uh, also chose The Graduate. Um, I think it was going to be quite a popular choice anyway. So, yeah, so we had The Graduate done. He also chose, uh, let me just find out, I remembered The Graduate because I chose it. He chose Kill Bill as well because, um, yeah, I had chosen Uh, it. And I was deliberating over whether to include it because uh, it's obviously not an actual wedding. And then I thought, well, if you haven't seen Volume 2, then you wouldn't know. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, but he also chose the Adam Sandler film, uh, The Wedding Singer. He didn't say which particular wedding is his favourite from that, but um, I can't understand the choice myself, personally. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, so, yeah, I think that was that was it, really. He didn't give any further explanation on those. I mean, he also sort of mentioned The Godfather, um, which is always also going to be uh, a very popular choice, so... Yeah, there we go. That was it, really. Okay. Uh, so, yes, that's all for uh, this week's podcast there, with the exception of some uh, recommendations um, for the next week or so. I'm going with something that's come on to uh, UK Netflix, which I watched when it was on uh, BBC. It's only three episodes long. Uh, it's called Generation War, and it's the lack of a best description uh, Band of Brothers from German soldiers' point of view. Is it a, Brit- a British... No, 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 no. BBC just bought the rights to, to show it. it is, um, 
pretty sure it's German made. Okay. Uh, Sounds interesting. Uh, Carol? Um, well, there does seem to be some sort of Nicolas Cage marathon on this week, but I'm going to spare everyone the the uh, torture of watching. Well, even though I think they're good films, other people don't seem to think that Knowing is a very good film. So I'm going to come go on. for... Come what? on. It's, it's amazing. Not, it? Come on. No, it's come amazing. on. No, come on. The ending's brilliant. No, come on. Admit it. You come on. It's not good, is it? Come on. It is good. No, just, just <laughs> say it. It's not good. Right, the next time the remake of The Wicker Man's coming on, that's it. I'm going to make you watch it. Right, it's, not, but... it's, it's better than Knowing. Yeah, but not by much. Knowing, knowing's brilliant, especially the... Oh, come on, the plane crash scene is brilliant. Come on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's... It's no. all done in one shot. It's brilliant. Someone gets burned <laughs> and they're, they're asking Nicholas Cage for help and then something drops on their head. It's amazing. Anyway... Uh, so I'm not going for that. I'm going for um, on Saturday um, at half past two, uh, which is not a very football friendly um, time of day. Sorry, but uh, on it's, e- it's international week this week, so I think football's oh. on Fridays and Tuesdays. So you're all right. Oh, well, that's and, all right. Unless then. unless the listener supports some rubbish lower league team that no one cares about. Sorry, sorry about that. If you do, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, half past two on Saturday on E4 is um, Coraline which Owen's probably going to say he hates as well, even though I don't actually remember that many songs in it. Um, but it, it's brilliant. I, I absolutely adore this film. It's um, it's a Neil Gaiman adaptation, which I think actually is creepier than the book, which is very, very rare. Um, and it's just beautifully animated, and, and the voice acting's amazing, and it's, it's just so weird uh, that uh, I, you have to watch it just to believe it, really. Okay, uh, Owen? I'm recommending uh, Police Story 3, Supercop, uh, which is on Film 4 on Sunday at 10 past 11. And the reason I'm recommending it, um, it's the uncut version, which had its UK debut last week on Film 4. Um, it's only ever been shown on TV in the UK before in its edited version. It's American, dubbed, and completely just hacked to pieces version. So it's, it, this is the original Cantonese film that has subs rather than dubs, um, and everyone should watch it. It's one of Jackie Chan's best films. Um, this, the whole Police Story series are brilliant, but Police Story 3 um, is just, just mental. It's crazy, and it's really good fun. Okay, so yes, that is all for uh, this week's podcast then. Uh, keep your eyes on the site for uh, obviously, all the Fright Fest stuff that is uh, already there. Um, the next goal wins interview and more and more stuff as well. Um, I have, maybe there'll be a podcast next week. Maybe there won't. But keep your eye on social media and the website and you'll, and you'll find out if there is going to be one. Uh, thanks to everyone who's contributed and to everyone who's listened. Um, and we will catch you at some point in the near future. <laughs>